The Book of Enoch, found within the Dead Sea Scrolls, quoted by Jude, taught from by Peter and our Messiah. This great text was preserved for the end times generation, a guidebook for those coming out of Mystery Babylon, coming out of Egypt and her ways into the true service of our Elohim. Join us as we read through and study this amazing gift line by line. Welcome, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Parable of the Vineyard YouTube live stream. My name is Adam, your host, and I welcome you. Brothers and sisters, I am so excited to go through this book with you line by line. This is a, a book that we did a full comprehensive study on three years ago, but uh, if, if you've been in the walk for a couple of years, you know that uh, what you understood three years ago may not be the exact the same you know, three years later. So um, that's just how the Most High works. He gives us understanding as we continue with Him. We're just like a plant. We continue to grow and grow and grow, and uh, our branches come out, uh, the fruit comes out, and we just continue to grow. And so, you know, this is something that I've been wanting to do for a while. Uh, I'm just going to be straightforward with you. I actually had a dream uh, that said that I had to go through this book and and share this uh, once again with the people. I believe that this is the book for the end times generation. So perhaps you've read through this book and, you know, maybe there's some, there's some things you're like, I have no idea what it's talking about. You know, maybe you've studied this book for many years. This study will be for um, the new believer the, the newly woken up believer to all the way to the veteran because we're going to go through this line by line and glean everything that we can. But I had a dream that basically was like, hey, you know, this, it's time to get back into this book. Uh, one of the one of the leaders at our local congregation had also had a dream that said the three books that are going to wake up the end times is Enoch, Matthew, and two Esdras. It's no wonder it's interesting that those are some of the three books that we focused on. Nevertheless, I pray that this will be a blessing for you. I pray, pray that there's, something that there's some things that you can glean from this. This is the book to help us return back to the ancient path of the Most High, to return back to His true service, to get through all the lies that religion has sold us, the lies that the world has sold us, and get to the truth of the matter of who these evil entities are behind the scenes that came down and taught wickedness amongst the children of men. These same entities are the ones that are controlling the rulers of this world, the same entities that constructed this worldwide empire for these last days, the same entities that will be destroyed by our Messiah. This book draws a line in the sand between the wicked and the righteous. This book tells us how to be on the right side of things. Brothers and sisters, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Yahweh Most High, we come before you in your Son, Yahushua's name, to whom we're so grateful for, and to know that salvation is found through him and him alone. We thank you for opening our eyes and ears in these last days to the falsehoods that is in this world, to come back to you and to your word with a true, a true zeal, Father. And we ask that as we read these words tonight, as we continue on this study, that your words would penetrate our hearts, Father. And continue to open our eyes and our understanding and our ears that we may do what you've commanded us to do, Father. That we may be counted among the righteous and not the wicked when all these things go down, Father. 
We love you and we bless you and we do these things because you are an amazing father. And we ask these things in Yahushua's name. Amen. All right. So let's, uh, let's get to it. Um, let's actually start with a quick little shofar blast. You know, there's something supernatural about a shofar, and uh, I pray that uh, it's a blessing as we continue to blow that. So without any further delays, let's get into this book that was literally written for our time in history, and the very first few verses in this is going to prove that to you, that this is our book. The Book of Enoch. Tonight, we're going to go through chapters 1 through 5, and this is going to set the stage for the entire book. The words of the blessing of Enoch, wherewith he blessed the elect and righteous who will be living in the day of tribulation when all the wicked and godless are to be removed. So, the theme of tonight is what side of things are you going to be on when all this goes down? Because there's going to be a separation. Messiah teaches it in Matthew 25, the sheep and the goat, the sheeps and the goats. Where will you be? Will you be part of the righteous and elect or with the wicked? Unfortunately, well, actually, fortunately, it's black and white. Fortunately, it's black and white, and it's not a gray area. Like, well, this, well, that, black and white. Where will you be? Where will I be? So, but this book, right? He ble- He's the words of the blessing, Enoch, where he blessed the elect. So he's literally blessing us who will be living the day of tribulation. There's so many things we can just, we can talk about right now, but all you got to do is look around. Look around you. Are the end times here? I believe so. Some people would venture to say we're in tribulation right now. Some would say, well, not quite in it, but on the cusp of it all starting. I think I would fall into the latter category. Nevertheless, we're here. Whether how much time we have left, whether it's days, weeks, months, years, I don't know. The one thing that we're focusing on, focusing on this ministry is to be prepared for that day. Not to necessarily be the ones that get it right by guessing exactly what day it happens, but to be ready to be a ready bride waiting for the return of Messiah Yahushua, to be part of this group of the elect and the righteous. Verse 2, And he took up his parable and said, Enoch, a righteous man, whose eyes were opened by Elohim, saw the vision of the Holy One in the heavens, which the angels showed me, and from them I heard everything, and from them I understood as I saw, but not for this generation, but for a remote one, a distant one, which is for to come. So literally, in the first two verses, this book is setting the whole stage, saying that this book is for our end time generation, even though 2,000 years ago Jude quoted it, which we're going to read here in a few verses. This book is for our time. Also, in the end times, we have the, the two witnesses. Lots of different interpretations on that, and that's not what tonight's about. Regardless of what you believe, whether it's two men, whether it's Enoch and Elijah, or Enoch and Moses, or Moses and Elijah, neither here nor there. What is interesting, though, is I do believe this book, alongside the book of Elijah the prophet, are two some, are just important books for restoring the ancient path and returning to righteousness and, and escaping wickedness plainly, right? And, you know, I think some people believe that the two witnesses are the two houses, the house of Israel, the house of Judah coming together. Um, regardless, I think these books play a huge part in that. And um, I'm delighted to go through this book with you line by line. So 
This book is written for you, for us, probably somewhere around 5,500 years ago. Over five, let's call it over 5,000 years ago, this book was written. Now, there's a lot of different takes on what this book would be categorized as. I want you to know up front, I believe this book is scripture. And as we go through it, I'm going to back it up that so did Messiah and so did his apostles believe that this book is scripture. Holy Spirit inspired. All right, let's, uh, let's read. We're going to read verses 3 through 7 and talk about it. Concerning the elect, I said and took up my parable concerning them. The Holy Great One will come forth from his dwelling, and the eternal Elohim will tread upon the earth, even on Mount Sinai, and appear from his camp. We're going to be talking about this for a second. Appearing from his camp. Do you want to be in that camp? I know I do. And appear in the strength of his might from the heaven of heavens, and all shall be smitten with fear, and all the watchers shall quake. These are the angels that came down from heaven. We'll talk a lot about more of them next section. That's chapters 6 through 10. We'll go over that next, next week. And great fear and trembling shall seize them unto the ends of the earth, and the high mountains shall be shaken, and the high hills shall be made low, and shall melt like wax before the flame, like nothing before him. And the earth shall be wholly rent in sunder, and all that is upon the earth shall perish. And there shall be a judgment upon all men. Brothers and sisters, there is a day of reckoning coming. There is a day that you'll no longer have the opportunity to repent. There's a day that you'll no longer have an opportunity to walk in his truth. There's going to be a day when all things are going to cease. You know, a brother was recently telling me, the same brother that actually had the dream about the three books that are going to wake up the end time generation, also said, uh, this is Brother Benaiah, he said, you know, he's got some experience with separating the cattle into different shoots, right? And you kind of you separate them. And even more so, I, I believe that in these end times, people are being separated into one of the seven um, assemblies in the book of Revelation, chapter uh, 2 through 3. Which one are you going to fall under? Everybody wants to say they're Philadelphia. Is that going to be reality? Well, of course not. Everybody wants to be counted among the righteous and the elect, but will that is that going to be? Well, no. No, Messiah said actually very few people are going to find it. He said most people are going to miss it. Few will find it. Those should be some words of healthy fear within our body. Speaking of the fear of Elohim, got a couple things we're going to say, but we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about fear in a second. But this is how the book starts. Like, hey, there's going to be a day where the hills melt like wax. Yahweh is going to come from his camp. The whole world is going to tremble. Joel 2, 1 through 11. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion. And so real quick, what's going on here? This is the beginning of the day of Yahweh, more commonly known as the day of the Lord. Speaking of which, I have a feeling a lot of new people will be watching this. They aren't familiar with our, the ministry here. We are at a place where we believe that we're called to move on from the titles, like instead of calling the Most High like Lord or God, we feel called to call him by his name because his word actually reveals his name. And we're not contentious about the name. We know that there's different interpretations of it, and we're not here to call out any other interpretation. We find that there's a blessing in anyone that has a, a heart and an attempt to call upon his name. So at this time, we, in this ministry, we're, we are uh, convicted 
and to move forward with our Heavenly Father's name is Yahuwah, and his son's name is Yahusha. We don't condemn anyone if they decide to say Yeshua, Yahushua, Yahshua, Yahoshua. We're not here to contend that. Anyways, without getting too far into that, I, just because in case you're new, so you know who I'm saying, Yahusha is the son of Elohim who came down and offered his life for us, forgiveness of sins. Yahuwah is our Heavenly Father. If I say Elohim, that's the Hebrew word for God. So this is the day of Yahuwah. And that's what's going on here in Joel 2, 1 through 11. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, just like we saw here in Enoch. For the day of Yahuwah comes, for it is nigh at hand. The day of reckoning is coming. A day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. As the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong, there has not been ever the like. Neither shall any be more after it, even to the years of many generations. Right? A fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is as the garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Yea, nothing shall escape them. There's going to be an army coming that the world won't be able to escape. The appearance of them is as the appearance of horses, and as of horsemen, so shall they run. Like the noise of chariots on the tops of mountains shall they leap. Like the noise of a flame of fire that devours the stubble, as a strong people set in battle array. Before their face the people shall be much pained. All faces shall gather blackness. They shall run like mighty men. They shall climb like the wall, climb the wall like men of war. They shall march every one in his ways, and they shall not break their ranks. Neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk every one in his path. And when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. Who wants to be part of this army? Me, pick me. What are the qualifications? I don't have them. I don't know. Well, I know some of them is to be ready and to be walking in righteousness. I'm here to say I believe the recruiting office is open. Part of that running down, which shoot, which shoot are you going to be in? Do you want to be part of this? Or do you want to be on the wrong side of this army? They shall run to and fro in the city. They shall run upon the wall. They shall climb upon the houses. They shall enter in at the windows like a thief. The earth shall quake before them. The heavens shall tremble. The sun and the moon shall be dark. And the stars shall withdraw their shining. And Yahweh shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great. Right? This is what it's talking about here. And he shall appear from his camp and appear from the strength of the might of his heavens. Right? And when this camp appears, everyone's going to tremble. Tremble. For he is strong that executes his word. For the day of Yahweh is great and very terrible. And who can abide it? So, what side of these things will you be on? We're going to talk about that. So, why does the book of Enoch start with this? A good healthy fear of Yahuwah. I know in these end times, not all of us grew up with, with great fathers. Here's how I picture a great father. Raising up a child in tenderness and in mercy. But if the child transgresses, Ooh, you don't want to upset dad, right? The wrath of dad. We should have a healthy fear of our Heavenly Father in a very similar fashion. We shouldn't want to transgress his ways. We should want to do exactly what he's called us to do. And like a lot of us have seen, when we go astray, he corrects us. And it hurts. There's different types of pain, right? Financial ruin. Health. Death. 
stress, persecution, all types. David says in the Psalms, it was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. It was good for us to be chastened by our parents, that they correct us. If they didn't correct us, and it didn't hurt sometimes, what kind of people would we have grown up to be? Some of us went down that road and had to be corrected by our father to come back to him. Right here. But we need to have a healthy fear of Yah. Proverbs 1.7 The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This whole study should start from a fear of Yahuwah. We should fear our Heavenly Father and what it means, what it looks like to transgress Him and to walk away from His truth. Not a good thing. The book of Hebrews says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living Elohim. We're going to read Second Peter 3. Peter poses some questions as well, some thought-provoking questions that I also want to ask you, ask myself. 2 Peter 3, 1 through 12. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. So he's like, I want to stir something up in you real quick. Let's think about something. That you may be mindful of the words which are spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us apostles of our Adonai, Master and Savior, knowing this first that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own Lusts, not walking according to the commandments of our Elohim, but according to their own lusts. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. It's the same thing with Noah's day, as we'll see here. Noah's preaching. Noah was given 120 years to preach the truth for repentance, as we read in the book of Yashar. Not one turned. Because they're all like, ah, oh, Noah, you're crazy. Come on, man. Enjoy your life. Do as you please. Or like modern terms, YOLO, right? Come on. For this they were willingly ignorant of, that by the word of Elohim the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that was then being overflowed with water perished. 120 years of, you know, preaching. And then one day, all gone. One second. Messiah says, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the, the time of the coming of the Son of Man. For they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving marriage until the time that Noah entered the ark. I'm paraphrasing. And they all died. They all perished. The water took them all away. Same thing is going to happen in the end times. Even for a lot of people that may think they're doing their things the right way, but they're following vain traditions of men. My, Messiah says in Matthew 15, in vain you do worship me teaching for doctrines and commandments of men. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with Yahuwah as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Yahuwah is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word. So it's like, you know, how could Yahuwah not act with these, you know, this time of great sin and judgment. And I mean, you've got all sorts of backwards doctrines, you know, destroying the, the household that Yahuwah created, uh, even the, the sanctity of marriage and, and what that looks like, even genders. I mean, just everything is just completely, he's long-suffering. 
He was long-suffering to Sodom and Gomorrah, even to the last day. He was long-suffering uh, in the days of Noah. Give them 120 years to repent. On these last days, he's being long-suffering as well. And that's why all these things are continuing on. Right? So, but he is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Ezekiel 18 says the same thing. He says, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I wish that all of it would turn to me, he says. That's not how it happens. But the day of Yahuwah comes a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that there are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then, right? So thinking about that, these things are going to happen. Seeing then that they, all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? And if we look at this, uh, if we look at this word here in the Greek of conversation, let's take a look at it. If you look at this word conversation, it means manner of life. It's not like I actually just you're speaking. Speaking is very important as well, but it's a lot deeper than this. It's your manner of life, your conduct, your behavior. It's properly your walk, i.e. your manner of life. How are we conducting our way of life? So thinking that this day of judgment, this day of Yahweh is coming, and that's how the book of Enoch starts, is, hey, it's coming. This is how the book of Enoch starts. Hey, I'm writing this book to you, you people that are living in the last days. And guess what? There's a day of judgment coming. Are you going to be amongst the, the wicked or the righteous? Because it's black and white. You're in or you're out. It's not like, well, you're in or you're out. Am I in or am I out? Are you in or are you out? Are you all in for him or are you half-hearted? Are you hot or are you lukewarm? Don't be cold either. Oof. It's time to get hot for him. And we're going to talk about how that, what that looks like tonight and moving forward with this book because that's what this book is all about. This book is to restore the tribe of Israel back to the service of the Most High Elohim. So what manner of persons ought to be in all behavior, manner of life, conduct, and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of Elohim wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall be melt with fervent heat. So the people of this world, why do you think they're inundating them with all these end times movies, apocalypse, and all these kind of, They're conditioning the people to accept it and to not look to the, to the scriptures for answers of why all these things are going to happen. Why do you think they're doing that? Because it's coming, and the people of the earth are going to be terrified. But the people of Elohim, the ones that do what they're supposed to be doing, will be joyful. And the goal of this study is to help get me, you, and our households on the right side of things. Verse 8. Right, so we read this, but he will make he'll make peace with the righteous, protect the elect. What side of things are you going to be on? Let's talk about who the righteous are. I'm going to warn you, this is going to break a lot of things that you've been taught most of your life in a religion. That you just say a prayer, you invite the Messiah into your heart, just keep coming back to church, and you're good. Oh yeah, you know, don't smoke, don't drink, don't do these things, and um, oh yeah, the the commandments, yeah, those are those are done away with. No, no sir, no ma'am. Genesis seven one, and Yahweh said unto Noah, Come you and all your house into the ark. 
For I have seen, for you have I seen righteous before me in this generation. What was that number? How many people were living back then? Who knows? A million? 10 million? 200 million? 2 billion? Eight people made it in. Eight people. Messiah says the same thing. Very few people are going to make it. He says in another passage, many are called, but few are chosen. Matthew seven thirteen through 20. Enter you in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leads unto, this, unto life, and few there be that find it. So many are going to fall short and are not going to make it. Few are going to make it in. Do you want to be one of the few or the many? I said this before. Uh, how many years ago was this? 15, no, almost actually 20 years ago. Wow. I joined the Marines in late 2001 after those two buildings fell down. And back then, 20 years ago, I wanted to be the few, the proud, the Marines. Now, I want to be the few, the humble, the Nazarim, the branches of Yahuwah. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly there are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? So it's like, he's asking you, look at creation. Do you get these good fruits from unprofitable plants? No, of course not. You get great, you get those yummy grapes from a good, healthy vine plant. You get those figs from a nice, health, health, nice and healthy fig tree. So even so, so just like this, now he's referring back to people. Even so, every good tree, we are people are likened to trees. We started this study off saying we are like plants that grow. What kind of plant are you? Are you, a, are you going to be a thistle bearing thorns and briars? Or are you going to be a healthy, fruitful tree? Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. We're defining who the righteous are, who the elect are going to be. And how you can be a part of that group if you want to be. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire, whereby their fruits you shall know them. We are to be fruit inspectors and see what kind of fruit people produce. That's how you know who's who and what's what. We have to define what that fruit is. Otherwise, it's like, well, obviously, I don't have like apples growing off of me. So what is he talking about? Psalm 1, 1 through 3 defines the fruit for us. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, the scornful. But his delight is in the law that he wrote his Torah. His delight is in the Torah of Yahuwah. And in his Torah does he meditate day and night. And he, the person that does that, shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. That's a fruitful tree. This is what Messiah is referencing as the person that puts forth good fruit. That's what it comes down to. You know, I named this uh, ministry the parable of the vineyard. There's two parables that could be called the parable of the vineyard. The one I'm referencing is also known as the parable of the wicked tenants. Yahuwah planted a vineyard in a fruitful field. He took out the stones of it. He used choice seed. He put a fence around it. He put a wine press in it. And he put his tenants in it. And he said, 
enjoy the vineyard, and bring forth my fruit in its due season. And they wouldn't. And he sent prophets. And they beat some, and they killed others. And then he's like, mm, they'll listen to my son. And then he sent his son. And they said, this is the heir, come, let us kill. and Let's kill him and seize his inheritance. If we read through the scriptures, how does the story go? He brings the people out of Egypt. He gives them a Torah, the law, and says, keep it. <laughs> right after Joshua died, they're already serving statues and poles. And he makes life hard for them. And then he sends a deliverer, a judge. He raises up a, a deliverer and delivers them. And they come back to righteousness. And then the next generation slips away. And so that's the whole story all throughout the scriptures. It's because they weren't bringing forth the fruit of the, the keeping of his commandments. And some of your, some of your, uh, some of the doctrine from religion may be kicking up like, like, well, Paul said, you know, the law is done away with and we're not under the law. Stick with us. We're going to be discussing that quite a bit as we go through this study. But let's allow, allow the scriptures to interpret the scriptures. So again, we're, we're talking about the difference of the righteous person and the unrighteous person. Psalm 11, 5 through 7, Yahweh tries the righteous, but the wicked in him that loves violence, his soul hates. So when we come into this walk, it's not always easy. He puts us through difficult things. A lot of you know that you don't really get to know somebody until difficult situations arise. When everything's easy, anybody can play house, right? Anybody can play nice. But when things get tough, that's when you find out who's who. And so sometimes in our life, he tries us. He turns the heat on a little bit and says, what are you going to do? So don't, don't fret. Don't be scared by these trials. Because you always come out stronger when you stick with him and trust in him. The whole Bible will teach you that. Upon the wicked, he shall rain snares, fire, brimstone, just like Sodom and Gomorrah. And we find that he was long-suffering to them up until the very end. And then destroy them all. Like that. As it was in the days of Lot. Right? They were marrying. They were eating, drinking. And in the same day, Lot, Lot went out of Sodom. And it was rained down fire and brimstone. Another book says that these things were done as an example for future generations of the end of the wicked. And a horrible tempest, this shall be the portion of their cup for the wicked. For the righteous, Yahweh loves righteousness. His countenance does behold the upright. Proverbs 11, 2-8, when pride comes, then comes shame. And that's one thing we have to really get in check, brothers and sisters, is pride. We must lower ourselves and realize without our Most High, without salvation through our Messiah, Yahushua, we're nothing. Nothing. But through Him, we can walk in an uprightness and a newness of life, walking in life as Messiah walked. But with the lowly is wisdom. The integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way, but the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright shall deliver them, but transgressors shall be taken in their own naughtiness. When a wicked man dies, his expectation shall perish, and the hope of the unjust men perishes. The righteous is delivered out of trouble, 
and the wicked comes in his stead. So we're continuing to just discuss the, the separation between the righteous and the wicked. What side will you be on? What side will we be on? Now, uh, Enoch 1.9. Now, and the, uh, those of you that are following on the, in the Sefer, uh, you'll notice that I am going through the R.H. Charles version. Um, I love the Sefer. It's my favorite book, my favorite translation. When it comes to the book of Enoch, I tend to favor the R.H. Charles uh, translation a little better. So if you're following on the Sefer, just bear with me. You'll find that sometimes the chapter breaks are a little different. And here's the first case. I believe uh, Enoch, or yeah, Enoch 1.9 is Sefer chapter 2, verse 1. So just bear with me. And behold, he comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to destroy all the ungodly and to convict all flesh of the works of their ungodliness, which they have ungodly committed and of all the hard things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. This is where it gets really interesting because we'll find that Jude quotes it, not paraphrases it, but quotes it verbatim. And Yahweh also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, Yahweh comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. Literally, word for word. Scholars will have all kinds of excuses and keep, stay away from this book. It's not in the Bible. But if you're here and you're listening to this, you're probably not listening to these doctrines of men and you're going to investigate it for yourselves. You're going to put this book on trial for yourself. And when you do, I think you'll find that it is Holy Spirit breathed, and this is the words of Elohim. Good for reproof, doctrine, correction, edification, education, history lessons, all that. Uh, you know what? I need to put my blue light blocking glasses on, according to my good friend Josh. Okay, um... So what is actually actually happening here? Uh, my opinion, I believe this is the 144,000. Because if it were 144,000, you can't say hundreds of thousands because that would mean 200,000 or more. But you can say tens of thousands, plural. This is his great army. This is that army that I believe the recruitment office is open for. Now, there may be restrictions on, on age and things like that. I don't know. You know, we see that in, in the book, uh, in, the Torah, in the Torah, the priests were able to serve from 30 to 50. And when that was up, that's up. Is that the same case with his army? I don't know. We do see when the Israelites are coming out of Egypt that there was a certain number of men that were numbered for war. That's the only time he numbers his people is for war. Same thing with 144,000. And then when they came out of Egypt, there, there was also came out women and children probably elderly. So I don't set those qualifications though. So I don't have, it doesn't have a firm answer. But what's interesting is this, this is his great army. We already read Joel 2, 1 through 11. Here's 11 through 13. And Yahweh shall utter his voice before his army for his camp is very great for he is strong that executes his word. That's what's going on here to execute judgment upon all. What was that? Sound like some some judgment was being executed outside. 
It's like a grenade went off outside my house. Okay. That's probably the wind. I think the wind blew over my uh, my swing, my, our port, back porch swing. Okay. That's probably what it was. Okay. Interesting timing. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, for he is strong that executes his word. For the day of Yahuwah is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? Therefore also now, says Yahuwah, turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with your fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning. That's what this is all about. Turning to him with everything that we have. This isn't playtime. This isn't part-time faith. This is about changing your entire life to mold, to fit his word, to walk in his word, to walk like Messiah walked. And with fasting and weeping and with mourning, true repentance. And rend your heart and not your garments. Tear the insides of your heart of the way you used to walk. And walk in a newness of life. Romans 12.1 Renew your mind and not your garments. And turn unto Yahweh your Elohim, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repents him of the evil. Speaking specifically about this army, that... Myself and many would love to be a part of if Yahuwah wills it. Zechariah 9, 13-17. He tells exactly who this army is. When I have bent Judah for me, like bending like a bow, right? And filled the bow with Ephraim. Ephraim is a nickname for the northern kingdom. Judah is the southern kingdom. Ephraim is the northern kingdom. So this is Israel and Judah, the two houses coming together as one. When you put an arrow in a bow, it's like it's one. Fill the bow with Ephraim and raise up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece. The Targums read, O nations, and made you as the sword of a mighty man. So his people literally become his sword. And that's going to tie into Enoch a little bit later on the road. I think it's in the 80s, the chapter 80s. But it talks about how his people become the sword of his vengeance, his executing uh, vengeance. And Yahweh shall be seen over them, and his arrow shall go forth as the lightning. And Yahweh shall blow the shofar, and shall go with the whirlwinds of the south. Yahweh Sabaoth shall defend them, and they shall devour and subdue with sling stones, and they shall drink and make noise as through wine, and they shall be filled like bulls and as the corners of the altar. And Yahweh the Elohim shall save them in that day as the flock of his people, for they shall be as the stones of a crown. Peter says that we are living stones built up a spiritual house. Isaiah 49 says that New Jerusalem will be bound on her like jewels, like a, like a bride puts her jewels on her and adorns herself. Lifted up as an ensign, as a sign upon the land. When this happens, when the day gathers us, it's going to be like a sign to the nations. For how great is his goodness and how great is his beauty. Corn shall make the young men cheerful and new wine the maids. And I actually want to add in a verse here that I don't think I put in here. No, I did not. We're going to go back to this. We're going to look at uh, Psalm 40, oops, 41 through 4, I think, or 3. I'm not sure. We'll see. So, We'll come back to that. We'll come back to uh, lift it up as an ensign upon the land. Micah 5, 7 through 12. And the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many people as a dew from Yahuwah, as showers upon the grass that tarries not for man nor waits for the sons of men. And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the nations in the midst of many people as a lion among the beasts of the forest. Right? What beast in the forest can contend with the lion? As a young lion amongst the flocks of sheep, who, if he go through, both treads down and tears in pieces, and none can deliver. You know, the enemy is selling us a bill of goods to be fearful of the enemy, be fearful, fearful of this thing they want to stick in your arm, and fearful of not being able to buy and sell, and fearful of this virus and that virus, and fearful of all these different things. 
I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, it is they who are going to be fearful of us if we do what we're supposed to do, which is to walk in righteousness. And we're going to define righteousness for you tonight. No fear. How many times did Messiah say, don't fear? Let me ask you a question. If you've got a, a sheep pen with like 50 sheep in it and you put a lion in there, can those 50 sheep even stand up against that lion? What about 2,000 sheep? Won't be able to touch them. It won't happen. And he's likening his people in the last days to like a lion among the sheep. Your hand shall be lifted upon your adversaries and all your enemies shall be cut off. And it shall come to pass in that day, says Yahuwah, that I will cut off your horses out of the midst of you and I will destroy your chariots. Right? In my opinion, this is, it's not an EMP. It's Yahuwah that's going to shut down all the cars, all the transportation one day. And I will cut off your cities of your land and I'll throw down all your strongholds and I'll cut off witchcraft out of your hand and you shall have no more soothsayers. What a day that's going to be. Right? So again, this is talking about the day of Yah and this day that he comes with his people to execute judgment upon all. Isaiah 13, 1 through 13. The burden of Babylon, which Isaiah, the son of Amos, did see, lift ye up a banner on the high mountain. This is just like we were saying here about uh, they shall be as lifted up as an ensign, ensign or banner upon the land. Lift ye up a banner upon the high mountain. This high mountain is New Jerusalem. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. Exalt the voice unto them. Shake the hand that they may go into the gates of the nobles. I have commanded my sanctified ones. I have also called my mighty ones for my anger, even them that rejoice in my highness. The people that rejoice in his highness are the ones that are going to be called to this. The noise of the multitude in the mountains, like as of a great people, a tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of nations gathered together, Yahweh Sebaot musters the host of the battle. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven, even Yahweh and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. We just saw who his weapons were. His sword, his bow, his arrow are his people, the righteous ones, right? His sanctified ones, the ones that rejoice in his highness. Howl you, for the day of Yahweh is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint. Right? This is what's talking about here. And great fear and trembling shall seize them unto the ends of the earth. And every man's heart shall melt. And they shall be afraid. Pains and sorrows shall take hold of them. And they shall be in pain as a woman that travails. They shall be amazed at one another. And their faces shall be as flames. Behold, the day of Yahweh comes, both cruel with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate. And he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. Who's he going to destroy it with? His people. I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, if we do what we're supposed to be doing, if we walk in the way that we're supposed to be walking, we have nothing to fear. It's the nations. It's the evil people that run this world that have something to fear. But they're trying to flip the script and get you in a fearful state. Because when you're fearful, you're able to be controlled. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkening and is going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. There's so much wicked in this world. There's so many evil things that they're doing behind the scenes. What they're doing with children and with the world how they're blinding everybody and leading people as like sheep to the slaughter 
how these wicked people are running, ruling the world and wickedness and slavery, mental slavery, physical slavery. But our Elohim is going to recompense every one of them. Later on in this book, you're almost going to feel bad for the people that run this world that are leading people astray of how terrible it's going to be for them. So bad that you're going to have to say, like, enough. We've seen enough. But I'm here to say that we have the opportunity to serve the Most High that will render all recompense where it's due. So no need to be angry at these wicked people that run, run the world because they have a soul too and they've just been led astray. Messiah said to pray for your enemies. And it, may, it may seem hard for some of these wicked people. But it's something we got to do. Because he says when we do that, we can be the children of Elohim. I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man than the golden wedge of Ophir. Therefore, I will shake the heavens, and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of Yahweh in the day of his fierce anger. What side are we going to be on these things? That should really take hold of our heart tonight. Earlier, I said that we, I say we, how can I count myself among these people? I want to be among these people. But that day that he saves us, save this people, they shall be the stones of a crown lifted up as an ensign upon his land. This is going to be something that the whole world is going to see. And it's going to turn the hearts of many like that. I'll show you. I'll show you. Psalm 40. I waited patiently for Yahuwah. That's what we should be doing right now. And he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit. This world, although it's beautiful, I mean, you look around you, the trees, the birds, the grass, the flowers, the stars, the sun, the moon, all of his creation, it's beautiful. But this is a horrible pit. It's disgusting. <laughs> this world is disgusting. It's ran in such wickedness. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, out of the earth and set my feet upon a rock and establish my goings. Daniel 2 says that this rock cut without hands is the kingdom. It's New Jerusalem. There's a people he's going to gather in the end times and he's going to set their feet on top of New Jerusalem. And he's put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our Elohim. Many shall see it. Why? Because they're going to be set as an ensign, as a sign as a banner upon the land. Many shall see it, fear, and shall trust in Yahuwah. It's going to convert the hearts of many instantly. So even though you share the good news with people and it's just like, one day they're going to say, oh, Matthew had it right. I didn't, I didn't listen. Greg was trying to tell me the truth. Lisa was trying to share this with me. and She had it right. 
you know, we said earlier that Noah preached for 120 years. We learned from the book of Yashar that he and Methuselah preached for 120 years to turn back to Yah. And none turned. So don't ever get discouraged. But I'm here to say that even though we're planting seeds and may they may not all come up right now, I believe that one day those seeds will take root when they see the banner lifted upon the land. There's a lot more to talk about. Um, if you want to look at this in depth, uh, just type in Parable of the Vineyard 144,000. Um, I think you'll find great benefit to this one and the one below it too here, these two. This one here was part of our Revelation line-by-line line series. Uh, you may find a great blessing in that if you want to learn more. So that's uh, that's chapter one, right? Or oh, actually a couple other things. Um, to convict all flesh of their ungodliness. Oh, I did put Psalm 40 in here. Okay, so we read that. And so it talks about, right, he brought my feet out of a horrible pit, right, taking us out of the earth and set our feet upon a rock. Revelation 14, 1 through 3, I looked and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 having his father's name written in their foreheads. We're going to talk about name a lot later. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and as the voice of great thunder or the voice of harpers harping with their harps or the Greek word is kitara, possibly the guitar. And they sung as it were a new song before the throne. And before the four beasts and the elders, and no man could learn that song but the 144,000, which were redeemed from the earth, right? He brought me up out of the earth and set my feet upon the rock, New Jerusalem, and established my goings and put a new song in my mouth. Even praise to Elohim, many shall see it and fear and shall trust in Yahuwah. All right, let's keep going. How are we doing on time? Okay, we're good. Chapter 2. Now, <clears throat> that was pretty heavy intro. <laughs> now he kind of tones it down a little bit. <laughs> and uh, says, uh, chapter 2, Observe you everything. So look, look around you. Observe everything that takes place in heaven and how they do not change their orbits. And the luminaries which are in the heaven, how they rise and set in order each in its season and transgress not against their appointed order. Behold you, the earth, and give heed to the things which take place from it first to last. How steadfast they are. What's the word steadfast mean? Let's, let's look that up. Steadfast. Firmly fixed in place. Immovable. Not able to be moved. Not subject to change. I'm here to tell you, that's how we ought to be with our Elohim and his ways. But look at creation. Everything's steadfast. How none of the things on the earth change, but all the works of Elohim appear to you. Behold, the summer and the winter, how the whole earth is filled with water and clouds and dew and, lay, and rain lie upon it. Look around you. Look at the sky. Walk outside for a second. Look at the sky. Look how beautiful it is. We take things for granted. Look at the stars at night. How often do you go outside and look at the stars or the moon? Don't look at the sun. I wouldn't recommend it. Look at the trees. I mean, right now it's winter. Or it's not, it's not, it's fall, I guess. But like right now, all the, the trees are losing all their leaves, right? And in spring, how that the whole cycle continues and the sprigs come out and then the, the leaf kind of like, it's, have you ever like watched that process day by day? How like the leaf comes out and it's like, it's just amazing. His creation's amazing and how steadfast everything. Like every season, the birds know how to reproduce and know how to make a nest somewhere. Typically in my soffit of my house. <laughs> it's okay. 
I don't care. <laughs> Wherever. And, uh, you know, how the mama bird, you know, the birds know how to go get the worm and chew it up and spit it in their mouth. <laughs> it's just his creation is just so amazing. It's so amazing. And everything continues as it is. It's creation is perfect. This world is not perfect because it's ruled in unrighteousness. But one day, for on the right side of things, we'll be in the kingdom when it will be ruled in righteousness. Everything obeys him according to his command. Unchanging, steadfast, firm, right? Chapter 3. Observe and ha see how in the winter all the trees seem as though they had withered and shed all their leaves, except 14 trees which do not lose their foliage, but retain the old foliage from two to three years till the new comes. <sighs> you know, there's some, uh, a brother I knew uh, who's also um, a, a fellow YouTube teacher, and, uh, well, Zach Bauer, I'll name his name. Um, you know, he was skeptical of the book of Enoch, but he's an avid agricultural guy. And it's amazing that we, we, came, we both came to this book for different reasons, since he's a huge agricultural guy, he saw this and said, wait, wait a minute. This is talking about evergreen trees. And this book of Enoch is saying that there's 14 types of these trees that are evergreens. And wouldn't you know, that's exactly what they say today. Evergreen families, there's four types. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, wouldn't you know it? 14. There's 14 types of trees. What amazing evidence of this book. This book is at minimum, because of the Dead Sea Scroll find, at minimum 200 BC. They didn't know all that information 200 BC. No clue. It's just like when we went through the book of Revelation, we found that the, the 12 stones that are included in New Jerusalem are a specific type of stone that when put under a, uh, a, t a specific type of, of light mechanism shows the true brilliance. And certain stones like diamonds, uh, you know, like diamond, for example, we, we treasure it right in this world, right? But it's like there's no brilliance to it. It's a, it's a dull, it's a dull stone. But if you take the 12 stones from New Jerusalem, those are the 12 stones that shine the whole uh, array of the rainbow under this specific light. It's a pure light. And so it's like the book of Revelation, they didn't know that kind of stuff back then. This is something that we've only learned in this last generation. But when when these when these ancient texts reveal something that is just recently revealed in, in our in our time, it's just it's so much confirmation. Right. So this information that information was enough for this for this brother to be like, Wow, this book is true. <laughs> you know? So it's just amazing how different methods, different ways can bring us to the same uh, understanding, the same truth. So um, in any case, uh, it's really interesting how that works. Um, you know, we talked earlier about a tree producing fruit. I want to share this with you. Isaiah 61, 3 through 11. And we talked about this word righteousness, which we're going to we're gonna um, discuss that at the end here. We're going to define righteousness for you. Isaiah 61, 3 through 11. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness. Who wants to be a tree of righteousness? The planting of Yahuwah, that he might be glorified. They shall build the old wastes. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. And the strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the aliens shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. 
but you shall be named the priests of Yahuwah. Men shall call you the ministers of our Elohim. You shall eat the riches of the nations, and in their glory shall you boast yourselves. For your shame you shall have double, and for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. <clears throat> for I, Yahuwah, love judgment. I hate robbery for burnt offering, and I will direct their work in truth, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. And their seed shall be known among the nations, and their offspring among the peoples. All that see them shall acknowledge them that they are the seed which Yahuwah has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in Yahuwah. My soul shall be joyful, my Elohim. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. I misquoted Isaiah 49. Uh, Isaiah 49 does say that she's going to bind uh, as jewels. But uh, Isaiah 61 kind of expounds that we, if we are found to be righteous, for these trees of righteousness, right? That we be clothed with righteousness and we will be like these jewels encrusted in a new Jerusalem. For as the earth brings forth her bud and as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so, so just like the cycle of life happens out here, just like Enoch says, look around you and see all these things operate. So just like, right? The, the earth brings forth the bud and the garden causes all the things that are sown to spring forth, all the plants that have life. So just like that, Yahweh Elohim will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, it is happening now. The movement is happening right now. Yahweh is restoring the truth of his righteousness. His ancient path is being restored. The gaps are being filled. People are returning. Will you hearken to the call of the shofar? Will you return to his true service? And we're going to define that for you here shortly. Chapter 4. Again, observe. Look with your eyes. Observe the days of summer, how the sun is above the earth over against it. Don't look at the sun directly. You can maybe do the sun gazing, you know, an hour uh, before sunset and, and all that kind of stuff, but that's another story. But don't look at it. Just acknowledge that the sun's up there and it's really bright. <laughs> and you seek shade and shelter by reason of the heat of the sun. And the earth also burns with growing heat. And so you cannot tread on the earth or on the rock by reason of the heat. Take notice of his works. We're going to skip ahead to Enoch 36 real quick. We're just going to read one verse in Enoch 36 verse 4. And this is why he wants you to acknowledge his works. Here's why. And as often as I saw, I blessed always Yahuwah of glory. And I continued to bless Yahuwah of glory, who has wrought great and glorious wonders to show the greatness of his work to the angels and to the spirits and to men. Why? That they might praise him for his work and all his creation. That they might see the work of his might and praise the great work of his hands and bless him forever. We worship the creator, not the creation. We praise him for his mighty works. Psalm 8, um, what, is, what, is oh, what is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man, right? Uh, no, what does it say? When I behold the work of your, the work of your hands, the, sun, the, the moon and the stars, then I wonder, what is man that you're mindful of him? Have you ever sit around and look at his creation? I think we should not take it for granted. I think we should praise him every day for his mighty works. So often the patriarchs, the prophets, someone asked who they were. I am such and such. I serve 
the Elohim of heaven, who created heaven and the earth and the seas and everything contained in it. That's who I serve. That's who we serve. And what an honor it is. But that's why he made these things, for our enjoyment and for our benefit and that we might praise him for the works of his hands. Let's do it together. Let's take a moment in silent prayer. Let's praise him for something in his creation. Let's take 15 seconds. Amen. Okay, so let's go back here. So we're gonna finish up four. So this last chapter, chapter five, and here we're going to bring some things together. And we're going to finish up chapter five today. Observe you. So again, take notice how the trees cover themselves with green leaves and bear fruit. Wherefore, give you heed and know with all regard to his works and recognize how he that lives forever has made them so. And we're living in a time, a day and age where most schools teach evolution and all these other craziness, all these other crazy things. How awful, you know, one thing, one, one gift that our, our Heavenly Father has given me is the ability to put myself in someone else's shoes and see it from their perspective. I've said this before, how impossible it is to put ourselves in his shoes, but think about it for a second. He made all these things and he made these things that we might praise him for the work but this whole earth rejects him and doesn't acknowledge him. They enjoy his creation but don't give him any any praise or thanks. Like just, hey, thanks. Thanks for making the sun that we can have warmth. You know? Thanks for the... How about the food we eat every day? How awesome is our creator that he thought of us and having these diverse flavors? Like... One person, like, I love curry. You may think it's the most nasty thing in the world. But that's just cool because we have different tastes. I've said this before. I love spicy food. Thank you. Thank you for giving, for giving me a party in my mouth every time I eat, you know? Some people like rosemary. Some don't. Some people love dairy. Some don't. Some people really like to eat dandelions. And some don't. Some people love onions. And some... Like them just when they're cooked. How about thanking him for that? There's many things we can thank him for. But just to take notice, right? And to not forsake that anymore. And all his works go on thus from year to year forever. And all the tasks which they accomplish for him. And their tasks change not. But according as the Elohim has ordained it, so it is done. And behold how the sea and the rivers in like manner accomplish and change not their tasks from his commandments. You know, our Heavenly Father could have made us to obey him no matter what. Like a robot, like programmed. And I'm not saying like a bird's, or not, a bird's not a robot. But it's just programmed to, to obey, to do what it's supposed to do. It's really only man. I'm sure the beast of the field can go away. You know, like is a, is a was a shark built to eat a man? Probably not. Do they sometimes? Yeah. But in general... It's really man that has gone astray from his command from Elohim. And, you know, free will is an amazing thing. He gave us all free will. 
if he wanted us to automatically obey him, no matter what, he could have made us that way. I mean, think about it. For example, look at how different he made different creatures. So for example, like the horse, when it's born, it comes out, it walks right away. When man or woman comes out of the womb, or, you know, boy or girl, it can't walk. It can't walk for a while. It needs to be raised up and nurtured. What I'm saying is he could have made man to be able to walk right away if he wanted to. But there's a purpose for it, right? And that's, that's for another time. What I'm saying is that he could have programmed us to follow him and keep him no matter what. But I find it very intriguing. I find it very deep and poetic of the story of life. And, you know, if his kingdom is going to be full of people that love him, it's because they actually love him for real. And they've been put through the test and they've chosen him and not chosen wickedness or chosen the world. And I find that exhilarating. You know, uh, earlier I mentioned two books, the book of Enoch and the book of Elijah the prophet. The book of Elijah the prophet has something very interesting to say about this free will, this free choice that he's given us. This is chapter 10 of the, the book of Elijah the prophet. The, the origin of truth lies in the fountain of light, the Holy One of Israel, while the origin of falsehood or evil lies in the wellspring of darkness. So now we're talking about light and darkness. All who practice righteousness, so now we're going to start defining righteousness. All who practice righteousness, so there, there's, there's something for us to do, a behavior, like we said earlier with Peter, in all manner of conversation or manner of behavior. All who practice righteousness are under the domination of the prince of lights and walk in the path of light, while those who practice evil are under the domination of the angel of darkness, call him Satan, and walk in the path of darkness, white or, right, white or black, in or out. Yea, the angel of darkness is the devil, that evil spirit who lies in wait to entrap the souls of men and drag them down to misery and woe. He lies in wait at any opportunity to lead the unwary soul into sin and error so that through his evil influence, even the children of light are led to commit those things which are grievous in the eyes of Elohim. When men of their own free will choose to follow the influence of this enemy of all righteousness, they fall from the grace of Elohim of heaven and must repent of their iniquities that Yahweh can visit them in his mercy and redeem them from their sins that they may know to sing the song of redeeming love. All the afflictions which befall the children of men, all their trials, all their sorrows result from the acts of this prince of evil. He and all his hosts are dedicated to causing the children of light to fall from grace and become enmeshed in their snares. Nevertheless, the Elohim of Israel with all his holy angels is nearby to assist the sons of light and save all those who will call upon his name from the power of the evil ones. Yahweh Elohim has given into man his agency to choose the good or the evil. It's our opportunity. We can choose good or evil. Yahweh loves righteousness and will forever and ever and will forever and ever and is always pleased with those who walk in paths of righteousness. But he hates the evil and those who walk in the paths of evil and be cast out of the presence of Yahuwah at the last day. For Yahuwah cannot look upon the evil with any degree of acceptance, nor can those who love evil dwell in his presence. Let's also read chapter 13. Thus, O Elisha, are the ways placed before every man that he may choose the good or the evil. We have that opportunity. Thus is a man free to choose for himself. For Yahuwah will not force any man to choose the right, and the devil cannot force him to choose evil. 
Between good and evil, there is an eternal enmity. They cannot exist together in peace. But Yahweh Elohim has appointed a time of judgment when he shall destroy evil forever. Then will truth emerge triumphant and shall cover the earth as the water cover the seas. Then shall the sanctified, those who have been refined and purified from all evil and all the effects of wickedness through the immersion of fire and of the Holy Spirit, reign with Yahuwah upon the sanctified earth. These have been washed clean in the waters of immersion, baptism, and receiving of the Holy Spirit unto the cleansing of their souls from all the abominations and filth of the wickedness, that having been made pure and holy, they might understand the hidden mysteries of the kingdom of Elohim, those secrets which remain among the sons of light, being endowed with the vision of the heavenly order. These has Elohim chosen, chosen to be joint heirs in his eternal covenant. They should inherit his glory. Then will the earth be redeemed, death and hell shall be no more, and men shall dwell in the presence of Elohim, those who have been sanctified forever and ever, worlds without end. Let's define, let's start defining this righteousness. What are we supposed to be doing? If we want to be on the right side of things, we've got to, number one, believe that our Heavenly Father exists and He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Number two, we have to recognize that we cannot even come back to our Father. We can't even properly repent unless we have believed in the testimony and the, the ministry and the, the offering up of a life of Messiah Yahushua, that His blood through His atonement that once and for all we are forgiven. Number three, we're to walk in a newness of life. We're to repent. We're to be baptized. And through this baptism, we receive the Holy Spirit, which was prophesied to help us walk in his truth, to convict us of sin, and to teach us of all things. Now we're going to define what that walk looks like. 1 John 2, 1 through 11. My little children, these things I write unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin... We have an advocate with the Father. So don't sin. Don't do it. If you do, if you slip up, we have an advocate with the Father, Yahushua HaMashiach, the righteous. And he is the propitiation or the atonement for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. That is a bold statement, brothers and sisters. Because there's a day. There is a day. Well, many will say to me on that day, Adonai, a master, master, have we not prophesied in your name and in your name have cast out devils and in your name have done many wonderful works? Preachers will tell you, try to tell you, these are unbelievers. Unbelievers don't cast out devils in his name and do wonderful works in his name. And then I'll profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work in iniquity. So this day he's going to come back. Some people are going to enter. The door's going to be closed and they're going to be like, wait a minute. And he's going to say, I never knew you. Away from me, you that work iniquity, lawlessness, right? You that work iniquity. Let's 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 see what that Greek says. Oops. What's his iniquity? Anomia. The condition of without law, because of either ignorant of it or because of violating it. Contempt and violation of law, wickedness transgressing the law these are lawbreakers again you might say oh the law is done away with we have a lot of resources for you i would highly recommend uh and we'll maybe go over those uh here shortly actually maybe i'll look at those right now give me just a second okay so here we are at the 
Parable of Vineyard YouTube page, the home page. If you scroll down, there's lots of um, playlists. New, just waking up. Here's how you can catch up quickly. Basics right here. Check that out. It'll answer a lot of your basic questions of like, well, but, but Paul said, going back here. So hereby we, so some people from, from most people, he's going to say, I never knew you. First John says, here is how we know him. If we keep his commandments, he that says, I know him and keeps not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. We're going to define what the truth is. But whoso keeps his word in him verily is the love of Elohim perfected, and hereby we know that we are in him. He that says that he abides and so lives in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. And how did our Messiah walk? Obedient to the commandments of Elohim. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you. So this isn't something new. He's clarifying what commandments he's talking about. So some people say, well, it's just the commandments that Messiah said, which is to love love Elohim with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and love our neighbor with all of our, you know, uh, as ourself. I'm here to tell you that if you don't know how to love Elohim and love your neighbor, you're not going to be able to successfully do it. I'm here to tell you that the entire Torah tells you how to do that. For example, the first two commandments, we can break those down. How, how do you love Elohim? By just saying, hey, I love you. How do you love your spouse? By just saying it or by showing it? I'm here to say it's be by saying it and showing it. We love Elohim. What's the first, what's the first uh, four commandments? We love Elohim by... Worshiping no other Elohim. We love him by not bowing down to any statues, not having graven images, not having even having idols in our heart. We love him by not taking his name in vain. We love him by keeping the Sabbath day holy. Why? Because it's a sign. He says it's a sign between him and us. It's like, here, here's my branding. Here's how I want to know that you're mine. It's something of interest you might have interest of. In the book of Revelation, it says that people worship the beast worship the image of the beast. They have the name of the beast and the mark of the beast. Well, let's look at the first four commandments. Worship, image, name, Sabbath, which is his mark. It's his sign. Is that a coincidence? Probably not. So he's telling you, there's no new commandment. This is the, I write no new commandment. You but an old commandment, which you had from the beginning, the very beginning of this word. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, or also, so on top of this, a new commandment I write to you. This thing is true in you, and because the darkness has passed, and the true light now shines. He that says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and knows not whither he goes because that darkness has blinded his eyes. When you're walking in the truth, it's like you're walking at noonday. When the sun is right up above, you can see everything. Wherever you, or your foot goes, you're not going to stumble. Now, take a really dark night and walk that same path. Is it just? Is it? Are you, is it possible you can trip and fall? Let's say it's pitch dark. Of course you can. And that's what it's like when you're walking in contrary to his commandments. Let's define some things. Proverbs six twenty three: For the commandment is the lamp, and the law, the Torah, is light. And reproofs of instruction of the way of life. Isaiah 8 20 to the the, tar, the Torah, the law and the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, so if they speak not according to the Torah, it's because there is no light in them. Leviticus 24, 1 through 2. Yahweh spoke unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they bring unto you pure olive oil beaten for the light to cause the lamps to burn continually. We know in the book of Revelation that they were likened to these seven branches, the seven assemblies. 
And there's going to be a day where the parable of the wise and the foolish, some had oil for the light to burn and some didn't. It's telling you right now, the commandment is the lamp and the Torah is light. So if you don't have the obedience of his commandments, his Torah, there's no light in you. And the truth is not in you. Let's put these parables, let's put these, let's put these definitions into, um, into uh, action here. Because our Messiah, he spoke in parables all the time. Some of them he expounded on and some he kept hidden. So if the law, if the Torah is light, let's, let's look at this. Let's look at the most famous passage. John 3.16, For Elohim so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. The story continues. For, so it's continuing, For Elohim sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of Elohim. It's continuing. And, this is the condemnation, that light, Torah, is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than Torah, because their deeds were evil. But doesn't that make sense? Because the Torah tells you what, what deeds are good and what are evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light, the Torah. Neither comes to the light, the Torah, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that does the truth comes to the light, the Torah, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in Elohim. And that doesn't that make sense? Because it is the very Torah that tells us that our, that our deeds are wrought in Elohim. And people that hate, even people that are evil, hate the Torah. Why? Because they don't want to be reproved. They don't want to be corrected. They just want to keep doing evil. Now, so I said all this. So all the creation is steady, firm, keeps the commandments of Elohim. Right? The sea does what he's commanded to do. So does the moon. All the time. The sun. The stars, they do exactly what they're supposed to do. The grass, it grows at its command. Verse 4 of Enoch 5. But you, you have not been steadfast, nor done the commandments of Yahuwah, but have turned away and spoken proud and hard words with your impure mouths against his greatness. O you hard-hearted, you shall find no peace. We have all been this person. Don't let me fool you here for a second. I was a terrible person. I was a commandment breaker. I was a Torah breaker. I was a chief of sinners. Yahweh gave me an opportunity as he's given all of us to turn from our sin and to turn with him with all of our heart. We've all gone astray. 1 Peter 2, 25, For you were as a sheep going astray, but now are returned to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Psalm 119, 174, I have longed for your salvation, O Yahweh, and your Torah is my delight. Remember Psalm 1, 1 through 3? The person that delights and does his Torah shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Let my soul live and it shall praise you and let your judgments help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant for I do not forget your commandments. So all we like sheep have gone astray. But when we come back, we come back to his commandments. Romans 3, 23 through 31. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of Elohim being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Messiah Yahusha, hallelujah, whom Elohim has set forth to be a propitiation, atonement through his faith and his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of Elohim, to declare, I say, at this time of his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believes in Yahusha. Whereas boasting then, it is excluded by what, what, what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. 
I'm here to tell you that James clears it up and says, faith without works is dead. Paul is making the distinction here that, you know, if we're going to continue to rely on animal sacrifices and all these kind of things, right, and continue to, and, and, and to reject Messiah, you're lost. Because Elohim does not accept these animal sacrifices anymore for sins. doesn't do it. He won't accept it. So he'll be a goner. He'll be dead man. Therefore, we can conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Now, bear with me. So you may say, aha, there it is. I'm going to be justified by faith and I got to do nothing. Paul will correct you right now. Is he the Elohim of the Jews only? Is he also not of the Gentiles, the nations? Yes, of the nations also. Seeing it is one Elohim which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith, do we then make void the Torah through faith? Right, so do we do away the Torah just because of faith? He's like, come on, Elohim forbid, no way. Yeah, we establish the Torah. We keep the Torah in a newness, in a new way. Hebrews 5, 12 through uh, 6, 3. For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which is be the first principles of the oracles of Elohim, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Right? Everybody wants to stay in this baby state. And that's honestly, that's what the churches teach today. They just they just keep you with the milk. They just keep you with the ba very basics. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. We all start as babes, but we got to grow up one day. But strong meats belongs to them that are full age, even those by whose reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Messiah. So we're leaving the basics of salvation, right? The basics that we, we are saved by Messiah. Well, now what? Let us go under perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards Elohim, of doctrine of baptisms. These are all basic stuff. And laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if Elohim permit. And that's the walk. We move past the basics. We don't leave the basics. We don't leave the basics of, of Messiah and salvation through him. But there's a point where we start to walk like him and not just say thank you for walking the right way and no, so that I don't have to anymore. And that, that's that's not the gospel. That's that's never been it. We're gonna define righteousness. Psalm 119, 142. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your Torah is the truth. All those times, all the writers in the New Testament kept saying truth, truth, truth. They're referring to the Torah because it's a parable. Deuteronomy 6.25, And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before Yahweh Elohim as he commanded us. And as 1 John 2 said, don't sin. If you do, you have an advocate with, with the Father, Messiah Yahushua. 1 John 3, 1-10, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of Elohim. For, therefore the world knows us not, because it knew him not. How many of us coming out of the world, in, in coming out of the falsehoods, are we no longer, our family, like, families like no longer know us? They don't understand us. Beloved, now are we the sons of Elohim, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in himself purifies himself, even as he is pure. We are to be purifying ourselves. We're not to continue to walk in filthiness and walk in sin just because Messiah Yahushua cleansed us. It's like, it's like the old proverb. Don't be like the, the pig that's washed and goes right back to jumping in the, in the mud. Don't be like the dog that vomits and eats that vomit back up. He's washed us clean. 
let's take this clean slate and walk in and walk in cleanliness. Now, he's going to define sin here. Whosoever commits sin transgresses also the law, the Torah. Why? For sin is the transgression of the Torah. That's sin. So all those times Paul's talking about not sinning, he's talking about not transgressing the Torah. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abides in him, so whoever lives in him, sins not. Whosoever sins has not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that does righteousness, so he that does the Torah, is righteous, even as he is righteous. Why was the Messiah righteous? Because he kept the Torah. And we're supposed to be righteous as he's righteous. He that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of Elohim was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of Elohim does not commit sin. It is time, brothers and sisters, to walk away from sin. Don't let man tell you you can't do it. Am I sitting here up here saying that I never mess up? No. Are we striving for perfection? Yes. In this, the children of Elohim are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever does not righteousness is not of Elohim, neither he that loves not his brother. And he told you up here what that is. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your Torah is the truth. Praise Yah. Praise Yah. All right, we're almost done. Uh, Enoch 5, verse 5. And therefore shall you execrate your days and your years of your life shall perish and the years of your destruction shall be multiplied in eternal execration and you shall find no mercy. And those days you shall make your names in eternal execration unto all the righteous and by you shall all who curse, curse. And all the sinners and godless shall imprecate by you. And for the godless there shall be a curse. And for all the probably righteous, shall rejoice. And there shall be forgiveness of sins and every mercy and peace forbearance. There shall be salvation to them and a goodly light. And for all you sinners, there shall be no salvation. But on all you shall abide a curse. But for the elect, there shall be light huh? and joy and peace and they shall inherit the earth. Hallelujah. This is the restoration, brothers and sisters. The restoration of the truth. In these last days, he's given us the path. He's given us, he's revealed his mysteries to us in these last days. We didn't just get smarter overnight. I can tell you here, if there's any wisdom in the words I'm speaking, I can give glory to the Most High because he is the one that gives wisdom and gives it liberty to those who ask him. Not if you're double-minded about him. To Ezra's 14, 1 through 22. And by the way, in case you're new, to Ezra's was included in the 1611 KJV under the Apocrypha section. Messiah also quoted this verbatim, this book in chapter 1. On the third day, well, and, and by the way, this is Ezra time frame, Babylon already destroyed uh, Jerusalem, destroyed all the scriptures, everything. On the third day, while I was sitting under an oak, behold, a voice came out of a bush opposite me and said, Ezra, Ezra. And I said, here am I, my master? And I rose up to my feet. And he said to me, I revealed myself in a bush and spoke to Moshe when my people were in bondage in Egypt. And I sent him and led my people out of Egypt. I led him up on Mount Sinai, where I kept him with me many days. And I told him many wondrous things, and showed him the secrets of the times, and declared to him the ends of the times. Then I commanded him, saying, These words shall you publish openly, and these shall you keep secret. So Moses wrote books that were for the public, and some were kept in secret, that only the righteous, only the, 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 uh, the wise would read. And now I say to you, lay up in your heart the signs that I have shown you, the dreams that you have seen, and the interpretations that you have heard. For you shall be taken up from among men, and henceforth you shall live with my son and with those who are like you, until the times are ended. 
For the age has lost its youth, and the times begin to grow old. For the age is divided into twelve parts, and nine of its parts have already passed, as well as half of the tenth part. So two of its parts remain beside half of the tenth part. We go over this in one of the Ezra studies that we did, the line-by-line Ezra study. That was, that's a big rabbit trail. I'm not going to go down today. Now, therefore, set your house in order and reprove your people. Comfort the lowly among them and instruct those that are wise. And now renounce the life that is corruptible and put away from you mortal thoughts. Cast away from you the burdens of man and divest yourself now of your weak nature and lay one side of the thoughts that are most grievous to you and hasten to escape from these times. For evils worse than those which you have now seen happen shall be done hereafter. For the weaker the world becomes through its age, the more evil shall be multiplied among its inhabitants. Hello, where we are right now. Why? For truth, the Torah... Your Torah is the truth. For truth shall go farther away and falsehood shall come near. For the eagle which you saw in the vision, Rome, is already hastening to come. Then I answered and said, Let me speak in your presence, Yahuwah. For behold, I will go as you have commanded me and I will reprove the people who are now living. But who will warn those who will be born hereafter? Hello, us. Why? For the world lies in darkness and its inhabitants are without light. Why? For your Torah has been burned, which the Torah is light. And so no one knows the things which have been done or will be done by you. If then I have found favor before you, send your Holy Spirit, your Ruach HaKodesh into me, and I will write everything that has happened in the world from the beginning, the things which were written in your Torah, that why? That men may be able to find the path and those who wish to live in the last days may live. And that's what's going on right now, brothers and sisters. The restoration is happening right now. People are coming back to his Torah with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their mind. And according to Deuteronomy 30, the very next thing is to happen is for us to get him to gather us. This is where you're at in time. Oops. And it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, then you shall call them to mind among all the nations where the Yahweh Elohim has driven you, and shall return unto Yahweh Elohim, and shall obey his voice according to all that I command you this day, you and your children with all your heart, with all your soul, that then Yahweh will turn your captivity and have compassion on you, and will return and gather you from all the nations where the Yahweh Elohim has scattered you. If any of yours be driven out to the outmost parts of heaven, from thence will Yahweh your Elohim gather you, and from thence will he fetch you. And Yahweh Elohim will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it, and he will do you good and multiply you above your fathers. And that's what's happening right now. Praise Yah. 2 Ezra 2, 27-28 Do not be anxious, for when the day of tribulation and anguish comes, others shall weep and be sorrowful. Like we were telling you earlier, there's no need to be fearful. That's for the other people. Others shall weep and be sorrowful, but you shall rejoice and have abundance. The nation shall envy you, but they shall not be able to do anything against you, says Yahuwah. All right, let's finish up. Enoch 5, verse 8. And there shall be bestowed upon the elect wisdom, and they shall all live and never again sin, either through ungodliness or through pride. But they, they who are wise shall be humble. Brothers and sisters, the one thing that hurts my heart so much is to see people woken up into the truth coming back to the Torah coming back to the Sabbaths the feast days and becoming prideful about it this is dangerous territory brothers and sisters for we must know that the only way that we can even come to this wisdom and knowledge is because Yahweh allowed it let us never be risen up in pride because I believe he'll cut us off if we do that Psalm 25 9 the meek will he guide in judgment 
and the meek or the humble will he teach in his way. This is who he teaches. And they shall not again transgress, nor shall they sin all the days of their life, nor shall they die of the divine anger or wrath, but they shall complete the number of the days of their life, and their lives shall be increased in peace, and the years of their joys be multiplied. A thousand years. This is the gospel of the kingdom. This is what Messiah preached, and this is what we're preaching. The gospel of the kingdom. Are you going to be able to enter? In eternal gladness and peace all the days of their life. If you want to get in, let me sum it up for you. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have their right to the tree of life, and they may enter in through the gates into the city. That's what this is about. That's what Messiah came to preach, and that's what we're preaching here, brothers and sisters. So the choice is yours. You have the choice to either hearken to his way or not. And this is how the book of Enoch starts and i pray it was a blessing to you this is chapters one through five next week we'll be going through at least six through ten and i pray that that was a blessing for you as well let's pray heavenly father yahuwah we come before you and bless you in yahushua's name and thank you for all you do father all your creation the heaven the earth the sea the dry land everything father the plants for creating us man and woman the whole process of life with children, the animals. We thank you mostly for Messiah Yahushua, to your word, your son that you gave for us, Father, that we may have eternal life. Father, we believe. We believe in you. We believe in your son, Yahushua. And we ask you to continue to mold us, Father, to be who you've called us to be. May we bear fruit that you desire. And may we be fruitful trees, Father, trees of righteousness, as you say. And we ask these things by the blood and the name of Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen. Shabbat Shalom, brothers and sisters. I pray this is a blessing for you. We're going to end with uh, a song or two. And I pray those are a blessing for you. And uh, I hope your Shabbat is amazing. If you're new, uh, again, I would I would highly recommend uh, taking a look at some of the resources we have. This is the homepage. And uh, taking a look at... Uh, at least, if nothing else, the basics playlist right here. I would highly recommend that. It'll answer a lot of your questions. But uh, nevertheless, blessings to you and much love. We'll see you in uh, part two, uh, chapters six through ten. Shalom.
Upon you and give. 